You're listening to an episode of the Life Equals Choices, Choices Equal Life podcast with your host, Kim Olver. This is Kim, and welcome to the 188th episode of Life Equals Choices, Choices Equal Life. If you like today's episode, be sure to leave me a review wherever you listen to your podcasts and share with your friends on social media. Just don't forget to tag me at Olver International. Today, we'll be continuing our conversation about mental freedom with Rachel McElroy. Rachel lives and works in Charlottesville, Virginia with her partner and two children. After starting a career in public education, Rachel transitioned to the private sector and works as a people manager. She began her journey with choice theory six years ago and has found such great value in working and implementing the principles of personal responsibility and control. She is currently looking to add coaching to her repertoire of professional endeavors. Thank you so much for joining us today, Rachel. I'm really looking forward to our conversation. Thanks for having me on, Kim. I am too. Why don't we just start with, when did you learn the principles of mental freedom? I first started hearing murmurs of mental freedom a few years ago, I think when you were developing it. But I would have to say that I feel like my first real introduction into the program came this past March when I reached out to you at a point in time when I was struggling personally and professionally. And you and I started working through all of the different lessons together. That feels really like my first formal introduction to learning the principles of mental freedom. That's right. So you did it individually as opposed to being in a group setting. I did. Yeah. And for me, that felt really helpful. I had some specific things happening in my life that I needed to talk through and needed to reframe for myself. It met my needs where I was at the moment to be able to learn mental freedom while applying it to my life and in conversation about specific things. Great. Did the lessons have an impact for yourself personally? And if so, how, if you're willing to show that? Oh yeah, absolutely. That's my whole point of being here. I'm so honestly just grateful and really appreciative of what mental freedom has done for me and in my life. I mentioned before, when I reached out, it was about seven months into a career shift, going from being a special educator to working as a people manager in healthcare. It was a transition that was really hard for me. There was a lot in terms of how I met my need for significance and importance in my career and and how that was shifting in a new role. And it's also true that I have two small kids, a two and a half year old and a five year old. And that change and, and just like life circumstances and busyness was creating a lot of stress and friction in my personal life, in my marriage, and just honestly, intrapersonally, just within my own self, I was really struggling with happiness, struggling, feeling really stuck like I was having a hard time. I didn't like where I was and I was having a hard time moving myself out. And I found that the longer I sat in that space, the more I started to develop resentment for my partner and for other people around me. And it was really mental freedom and talking with you, Kim, that helped shift some of that for me. Like you mentioned in my bio, I consider myself a choice theory person. I feel like I've been a choice theory person for many years. And this was a particular situation in which I was not able to apply the principles of choice theory to my specific situation in a way that felt impactful for me. And I think what it is about mental freedom that made the shift is that mental freedom takes the abstract of choice theory and makes it very tangible. 
rather than just thinking about my needs and my partner's needs in the way that total behavior works, I was able to say, you know, I'm going to apply the unconditional trust challenge to myself and really trust myself to meet my needs in the best way that I'm able to get what I want. And I'm going to do the same for my partner. And it was not easy. It was, (laughs) I think you remember it. It was challenging. It took a lot of conversation, but had I not had that specific tool to really say, okay, I'm doing the very best I can right now. And I should give myself credit for that and honor that within myself that I'm doing what I need to do and not criticize without having that more tangible step. Honestly, being in such a place of emotional depletion, it was hard for me. I don't know if I would have been able to shift my thinking, just applying more of the abstract theoretical framework of emotional needs not to go on and on, but I found myself applying the principles of mental freedom just to my own metacognition as I would move through my day rather than counting the things that I had left undone or the the areas where I feel like I had fallen short. Instead, starting to count to myself all the things that I had done and all of the ways that I had tried and all of the positives of the day. And I really noticed that doing that shifted, shifted my thinking about myself, shifted the way that my body felt throughout my day. It made a really big difference. And I think the last one that I feel like I applied, honestly, not even just on a daily basis, like on an hour to hour basis, sometimes was really talking down the negative voices in my head and saying to myself, I don't know everything about the situation and I'm choosing to fill in these blanks in this particular way. And I want to recognize that for myself and honor how I'm feeling, but also allow myself to recognize that there is another set of truths, many other possible sets of truths. And some of them are much more positive than the one that I'm telling myself right now. And I'll admit, I was not ever really able to talk myself into one of those idyllic scenarios to believe that as much of truth as my more negative scenario felt. But honestly, just being able to say to myself, this is not for sure the way that it is, Rachel there is more than a slight chance that the way you're thinking of it is not entirely accurate. Doing that kind of allowed me to open like a little bit of a window of hope and positivity sometimes into situations that felt pretty challenging. You talked specifically about the unconditional trust challenge and the stories in your head. Were they the lessons that had the biggest impact for you? Yeah, I believe so. The unconditional trust challenge had the biggest impact on my marriage and my relationship and and helping me move past resentment. The other one that I didn't mention that I think of often is the GLOW and how I can use that acronym to look back on situations that were challenging. And, And honestly, I'm using it now in situations that I currently find challenging to say, well, there's value here and to find where are those lessons? Where are those opportunities? Yes, I definitely use GLOW a fair amount also. One of the things you talked about was being in a depleted state. And I think that when we're in depleted states, we tend to look outward more instead of inward with the blame finger. It's your fault I feel like this. And mental freedom helps ground you back into looking at what can you do? Because there's nothing you can do about the people you're pointing your finger at. They're doing the best they can to get what they need. It just, I saw that shift in you. And I just want to mention that for people listening, if you find yourself blaming other people for what's happening in your life, short of they're physically abusing you or mentally abusing you, that is their fault. Let me be clear about that. But other than those kind of situations, if you find yourself blaming other people for the situation you find yourself in, you might be able to use some more mental freedom in your life. You've been through it, and I know that you are a coach. Are there any types of people or issues that you think mental freedom wouldn't benefit? 
I really cannot think of a single person or a single situation that wouldn't benefit from mental freedom. I work now as a people manager, and I feel like I use the principles of mental freedom on a daily basis when I talk with people about their performance or when someone comes to me and they're unhappy about a situation or uncertain of what they should do, especially in interpersonal situations. I see the value of applying the mental freedom principles, honestly, in a day-to-day. I really like the idea of holding it into my thinking and into my daily habits as a way to keep myself really honestly feeling happy and feeling not burdened, not stuck, not tied down, not resentful, feeling empowered, and also feeling positive. I think that's a real piece that mental freedom has given to me is tangible steps on how to create more positivity within myself and within my day. I really do count the things that I do every day, sometimes even halfway through the day or or in a moment where I'm feeling a little bit low, stopping myself, recognizing those signals, and then choosing to take a principle of mental freedom and apply it in that moment to shape my thinking. I found that really impactful in my day to day. That is so awesome. It makes me happy just to know that you're able to use it like that and so frequently. And it also sounds like in your job, you teach some mental freedom principles to some of the people you supervise. Is that what you were saying? Yeah, I don't know if it's so much of a formal education, but I work in healthcare and there are a lot of different relationships between providers and billers and mid-level clinicians. And there's a lot to navigate and helping people understand how they can take more, not only responsibility, but action towards their own happiness, towards their own satisfaction, towards engaging with others in a way that is more positive and really is pure of And I know you don't either really believe in manipulation, but really engaging with others in a way that honors who that person is and what their needs are and what their perspective might be while still being able to chart what your path is. And I feel like mental freedom really enables people to do that. Great. I love that. It's one of the new ways people are using it. I just never know until I talk to people that learned it. How are you using it in your life? That's awesome. Have you or any of the people that you work with experienced any light bulb moments that you could share with us while learning some mental freedom principles? Absolutely. I think the biggest light bulb moment that I've had was probably my hardest earned light bulb moment. And it was with my partner in talking about what we wanted from our lives and the goals that we had and how I was really feeling like our pathways were interconnected in a way that my decision-making was attached to his decision-making. And I was really looking for him to make some decisions that I wanted in my life that he wasn't feeling ready to make or that he needed in his life. Applying the unconditional trust challenge helped me to figure out that he was really meeting his own needs and that it wasn't about me. And that even that, just having a focus on meeting his own needs didn't mean anything negative about me. (laughs) Didn't mean that he loved me less or cared for our relationship less or any of those negative things that I was thinking. He's choosing to do this. He has these other priorities that aren't me. All sorts of negative, resentful, honestly, really toxic thoughts were present in my mind and building up and really working to apply the unconditional trust challenge. And again, not an easy thing to do. You know, right? Like it it took me a long time to really accept and understand that my light bulb moment was that my partner was doing something that I should have been doing for myself. My partner was aware of who they were and what their needs were and what was important to them and what their own boundaries were. And they weren't willing to shift on those things and nor should they. Having that light bulb moment that perhaps I was feeling so resentful of my partner because he was able to do something that I was struggling with, which was to know myself and my own needs and my own boundaries and then really feel it 
empowered to meet my needs and hold my boundaries. That was such a pivotal moment for me, both in terms of sweeping out just some really icky cobwebs of resentment that were in all of the nooks and crannies of my mind, but really helping myself figure out maybe an area where I needed to grow as a person. I think we're all on the journey of life and we all have skills that can be developed. And that was a moment where I thought, oh, I'm wanting my partner to hold a boundary that I'm not willing to hold for myself. Oh, maybe the problem is not on the other side over there. Maybe the problem is here. That what I can do and what I should do is figure out how to keep that boundary for myself. It was a pivotal aha moment, but I think like a lot of the best aha moments, it was really just like the gateway to my next journey of personal growth and learning. Yeah. And I want to be clear when I chuckled, when you said it wasn't easy to do, (laughs) that was not a personal thing about you, Rachel. I hear that from everybody that I teach mental freedom to, because they all say this is so much common sense and it makes so much sense. And it's not hard to understand, but it's hard to do because the bar is high and it expects a lot from you when you stop blaming other people for why you're not happy and you start taking responsibility for your own needs and for your own happiness. It's hard work, but it's much easier than expecting other people to do things for you because they're probably not going to do it. They're not going to change because you want them to change. And so in essence, you've been beating your head against a wall, trying to get something from someone that they don't even know you need. And it's not part of their agenda. So it is hard, but it's easier than what people have been doing before they've learned how to do it. It's just a new skill. And that's the hard part. And it also requires repetition. It's not a once and done. It's really a new way of being and requires that kind of support to remember to choose it. Yeah, that's something that really resonates with me about mental freedom is is that it's such a gift. It has really opened up my life in ways that I would have not thought possible, but you have to use it to get the benefit. It's not just something that can sit or information that you can take in and say, aha, now I have it. And I check the box and I ascend to the next level. It really is about just day in, day out, doing the work and understanding for myself that it's possible to stop doing the work and things will backslide. So just continuing to be mentally vigilant and create those different mental pathways so that the repetition does make it more of mental muscle memory. Yeah. And I would add the other side of that in terms of, yes, you have to do the work and you get to reap the benefits. It's not all work. Some of it is, yay, good things happen too. And some of the work is enjoyable. It's not all, yes, were there moments of having to sit with myself and say, oh, well, shoot, (laughs) this is me. This is something I have to figure out. Those were hard moments, but there are also a lot of lovely moments where I'm thinking something negative and harmful to myself and then I can stop myself and say, hey, whoa, why are you walking down that pathway in your mind, Rachel, and choose to take myself down a different path? Those moments, while it is the work of mental freedom, those moments feel nothing like work. They feel like a gift. Wonderful. That's awesome. The last question that I wanted to ask is, what did you like best about mental freedom? Was there any part of it that was the best for you, something that you take with you? The best. Getting to talk to you every week for an hour (laughs) or a little bit more, that was pretty great. I've said it already in this podcast, but my favorite thing about mental freedom is how actionable it is. It really is something you can just learn in a session and literally start applying the next minute. And I think that's wonderful. Great. Before we close, is there anything you'd like to add that we didn't get a chance to talk about? Anything you want to say? 
Oh, I don't think so. I feel like I probably talked your ear off a little bit. You didn't. This was great. You know, I love hearing about how people have benefited from mental freedom. So there's never too much of that in my life. (laughs) We can end on that note then that the benefit of mental freedom truly rescued me at a point in life where I felt like I was drowning a little bit. Mental freedom and a good friend. It's not only what helped me come back up to the surface, but it's what's buoyed me up to a point of feeling not only just like I'm up at the surface, but really, truly happy, content, satisfied. And like I have a recipe to keep that going for myself. You couldn't have said anything better to me because what I don't want mental freedom to be is the thing that people come and they keep coming and they keep coming and they keep coming and the same thing keeps happening and nothing changes. There's a lot of counseling out there that's like that. Not everybody. There's great counselors out there. I know many of them. But I also have run into clients who just are forever, week after week after week, going to the counselors and have the same issues. And they just keep going. I want it to be something that you learn and use and grow. You don't need me. That really sums it up. And Rachel, I want to thank you so much for your transparency and your willingness to share this information with the audience, because it is deeply personal and not everybody would be willing to do that. So from my heart to your heart, I truly thank you so much. No, of course, you're so welcome. I hope you enjoyed today's podcast and remember to leave a review and share with your connections on social media. I also hope you'll join me next week when we'll be continuing the conversation about mental freedom with Dr. Tina Lee Odensky-Zess. I'm looking forward to it. Talk with you then. This has been another thought-provoking episode of Life Equals Choices, Choices Equal Life. To listen to past episodes, please visit our website at lifeequalschoices.com or listen wherever you download your podcast. And don't forget, remember to subscribe.